This is February 15th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully had a great Super Bowl weekend, did something cool for it. Maybe you were there. Or as Pete Blackburn said on Twitter, who who wouldn't want to just sit on the couch and stuff their face? What's the fun in being there when you can just sit at home on the couch with a big bag of chips and some beer, or maybe you're having soda or whatever it is, and just eating away, drinking away? Um, personally, I just chilled. Just chilled, ordered out a chicken sandwich from a local restaurant. It was delicious. Watched the game. Maybe I'm getting you hungry right now. Uh, but it was it was a good game. Connor and I got into it to start just a little bit. But in this episode, we talked uh, for a while about these Marc-Andre Fleury uh, rumors. And the Bruins might be a dark horse in him. And we kind of discussed the pros and cons to someone like Fleury. We also got into life without Bergeron and Martian as the Bruins are going through right now. And what it kind of exposes in this Bruins lineup. Uh, and we also got into uh, the potential of this Frederick Coyle-Smith line working. What happens if that's a good line? Does that become the third line? You know, who who slots in up top? So a lot of interesting moving parts with that. We also get into Jack Stavnika, uh and what his value is. Same with Jake DeBrusque, what their value is in trades and where they might fit in the lineup um, going forward. So fun episode, as always. Remember to go support our, our friends over at Bet Online with our promo code CLNS50. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. This is two straight weeks of you back on Bruin Speed. It's like we're getting back in the rhythm of you coming on. Yeah, no, slowly it's but surely. Slowly getting you back in the loop on this. Um, but how was your weekend? It was swell. I uh, watched the Super Bowl, went with, you know, I, I thought, I hope the Bengals were going to win, but mm-hmm. alas, it was more realistic. It was like, you know what, Aaron Donald was going to absolutely obliterate Cincinnati's offensive line. Sure enough, it happened. Uh, ads, terrible, as always, which like, yeah. I'm not, I feel like it's very much an old, old man gripe to be like, the Super Bowl ads are bad. It's like, realistic now like everyone's got like twitter and like youtube like these things people are getting more creative you don't have to like wait for the big game for like (laughs) you to drop like a good ad anymore so like i understand it comes with the territory but it was good uh no complaints uh as of when the time this podcast drops hopefully bu will be being pod champions if not we will scrub this audio from the podcast (laughs) so fingers crossed there but how are you doing how was your weekend evan it it was great i I actually had to do a beanpot preview video for the championship for the ncaa and i predicted bu to win hurt me to do it Hurt me to do it, but I, I did. I, I did. I had to make a business decision, and I did it. Uh, it was a good weekend, fun time. Super Bowl was great. Um, you're right. The ads were terrible. The only ad that I actually remember was the Crypto.com ad with the barcode that went all yes. over the screen. That's the only ad I really remember. One of um, like 85 crypto ads. Yes, there were many. I didn't know what, if you're if you're if if you're new to crypto. That's the one thing the crypto ad that people didn't get. Was like if someone's new to crypto, which is who you're targeting, 
how are they going to pick a place? What's the, oh, because you made me scan a barcode. And, and the website crashed. The website crashed within yes. seconds. <laughs> of course. Uh, so it went splendid on their part. Uh, they probably spent, you know, a ton of money to get that to happen. And then the website just kind of goes kaputs. Um, but yes, good game. Interesting game. I wanted the Bengals to win, but um, I will get to later how I did in my bets when we talk about our good friends later in this episode. Um, but it was, it was a good Super Bowl. Wasn't, wasn't a bad one. It was, I mean, last year was good because Brady was so dominant in it, but like in terms of being a good game, the competition it, was, was, it was nothing. No. Yeah. Trash. <laughs> no. the game it was, was like terrible. 30, it was like 31 to nine last year. So this year Something was, like uh, it was much, much better uh, in those terms. But anyways, the Bruins did not play on Super Bowl Sunday this year. Unfortunate. They played the day before a 1230 game in Ottawa, which Jack Riveting. Edwards was in mid-season form. Yes. For those, him and Brick, it was like they had drank all the coffee at the Dunkin' Donuts near the office. That had to have been yes. uh, what the case was. They were, they were, they were terrific. But before we get into how they've been lately, uh, we got to address some trade deadline rumors. Cause again, it's that time of year. See, we're, it, we're in kind of the mode where we're gearing up for the trade deadline, but it's still like over a month away. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not, not that close to it, but yeah, five weeks, uh, five weeks to the trade deadline. We're going to milk the trade deadline okay. dry for all the content we can get. Uh, but Jamie McLennan of, I believe TSN uh, mentioned uh, the Bruins as a dark horse for Mark Andre Fleury. Obviously Tuka Rask retired last week. Uh, we have both spoken uh, at length on that on poke the bear. So I'm not going to spend a lot of today really any of today talking about RAS because that has been done ad nauseum. Uh, but Flurry's an interesting case because now it is, it's come down with the Bruins to uh, Swayman and Olmark and Nett. Those are the two guys going forward. And Flurry most likely is going to get dealt at this deadline, most likely. Um, and do you see this as a fit? I mean, because this was help? on no one's, this was not on our radar at all. Yeah. I mean, could he help the team? I'm sure. But I mean, we, we I think we've talked about this far off the podcast. Like, considering all the other vacancies in this lineup and other things we've talked about for weeks now in terms of top six, you know, uh, a legit, you know, franchise center, a even like Connor Garland, a guy on the wing that could help you out, top 4D, Jacob Chikrin, all these guys. If the Bruins now, on, along with that pretty extensive shopping list, have to add number one goalie to their list, <laughs> then they shouldn't be buying anyway because it's, it's, that's too much. Like they already don't have enough to acquire Hurdle and Chikrin, obviously. I mean, unless they had, you had a cupboard full of legit top prospects, you can't pull that off. But Bruins already have to get pretty selective in terms of how much they're, you know, diverting resources to acquire at least some impact player somewhere across the lineup. If you add Fleury into that mix, who, even though he's an older player, still is going to cost a lot. You saw how much Tyler Toffoli went for to go to Calgary. I first, know. Uh, you know, first and quite a few other picks. I mean, if that's what the, the asking price is going to be, and I feel like that's going to be the case for any, you know, legit NHL or even, you know, we talked to think about Scott Mayfield before as being like, a third pairing, solid guy, physical player on the Islanders right now checks a lot of boxes about what a team that needs some added depth on defense is going to cost. He's going to cost a first round pick. Like yeah. he's going like, and he's under contract through next year. Like all these players are, are going to have a pretty high asking price from the teams that are dealing them. So, um, if you're the Bruins, could you use Flurry? Maybe. I mean, it's just you, you have to look at where the other things are. If you're giving up a first and other prospects to get flurry and then prevents you from getting a guy that helps you out like a hurdle or Miller or anyone on defense, 
then you just shouldn't be buying anyway if, if you have that many holes to plug up to try to make a, a, a viable run in the playoffs this year. And again, it's the same situation where we've talked about it before with a guy like Claude Giroux or Pavelski or any of these older veteran guys that are pretty much pure rentals. If you're the Bruins and you're already, you know, weighing what you want to do with this deadline and obviously they want to contend right now, but you have to look ahead to the future. If you're giving up a first-round pick and that's the asking price for all these guys, save those for the guys that are worth investing in that can you can build with and bridge that gap going forward. So Bruins get out of this deadline and they get Hurdle and they use some cap gymnastics, but you sign him long term, you're all set. You're you're yeah, you're, good you're good for the future too. Miller, same exact thing. Flurry, all right, you gave up a first and a legit prospect for him. Maybe you're a little bit better, but who knows? Goaltending can be a crapshoot. And you go to the second round and lose, and you give up a first round pick for a guy who's not part of your long term plans because you still have Jeremy Swing and Alina Zolmark here. Like maybe he helps you out, but you look at just the the number of other areas the Bruins need to improve in, plus the asking price, plus the fact that he's not fits in with what with what I think the Bruins are looking at, which is pieces that you can build for going forward. I, I can't really see the fit as, you know, in terms of where exactly he fits into their plans here. And his numbers aren't even that amazing this year. This is not like Vesna Marc-Andre Fleury. This is, you know, and granted he's on the Blackhawks. It's a yes. way worse team. Like if that has to be discussed. Uh, but his numbers have not been great enough to be like, oh, if he comes in, they're going on a run. Now the only positive, and I texted you this, the only reason I think you would go after Fleury, because you said you cannot have Fleury and Miller or Fleury and Chikrin or Flurry and really any other, you know, bigger than legit, a, yeah, legit, yeah, like a legit game changing type player. Um, so maybe like a Scott Mayfield too, but 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 not particularly him. Uh, the only reason you might would be that you feel that JT Miller or Chikrin wouldn't get you past alone, get you past um, a Tampa or a Florida or a Toronto, and maybe what would would be incredibly hot goaltending, which in theory you would predict more hot goaltending out of Flurry given his track record than a Swayman or an Olmark. But again, that's a huge bet. And that's a very short term bet. That is not a bet like you know, you're betting on just this spring that the final run will be Mark Andre Flurry gets super hot and takes the, you know, middle of the road Bruins to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And granted, Flurry's play in the playoffs the past, you know, uh, you know, last year at least was sort of shaky. And so again, like I, I don't see the fit either. I don't. Um, there are way bigger holes on this team. I think if you do if you do get a second line center like a Miller or a Hurdle, you're set not just for this year, but for potentially future years. Um, if you want to go Chikrin, which I don't think they're going to do, but if they did, you have him for future years too. Someone like Flurry, I just don't. I don't see it. Um, but I mean, again, I think it, it kind of boils down, and this is something we'll talk about down the stretch is. You know, who's going to separate themselves as the starter on this team in the playoffs? Olmark or Swayman? And can you even go on and off? You know, can both those guys play in the playoffs somehow? I'm not sure how you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe because they're playing like this, they, they get used to it. They have the hug down at least. We saw after the game in Ottawa, the hug is back. The the chemistry is is good at least, but who's, who's going to separate themselves as number one goalie? Still to be determined, but I don't think it's going to be flurry. No, I don't think they're gonna have, they're gonna have three goalies. Florida get yes. on the hug too. You yes. know, Florida will jump over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very personable guy, so maybe uh, it works out. But yeah, I don't see Flurry. I don't see Flurry coming here. And I and again, I mean, unless it took nothing, unless it was like literally like a second round pick, which is not going to be the case. Uh, I don't really uh, support that move 
at all. Um, anyways, to the team on the ice, to the actual Bruins team, uh, they are currently without Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Patrice Bergeron will not play on or tonight against uh, New York. Might join them on the trip. Uh, Marchand is on game, will be missing game three of his six game suspension or yes. game two. Game, no, game three. Game three, and he will. Uh, per Bruce Cassidy be in New York on Wednesday for his appeal. So mm-hmm. if he somehow gets it knocked down to three games, maybe he's back in time for the Thursday game against the Islanders. We'll see. I still think maybe he gets a game or two knocked off. I, I don't think he's going to be in playing in New York. So no. we will, we will see. Maybe in his appeal, since it's in person, he can like show the NHL like the, how the punch felt. You know, he can put like yes. a goalie mask on the the, the, the guy doing the hearing and just kind of punch George. him. Like, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, George doesn't even hurt. We've yeah. even punched a million times, George. Uh, he gets a stick and pokes him in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, life without those two is uh, not great. Not great. And the results kind of speak for themselves, right? You lose six nothing to the Hurricanes and just a complete debacle at yes. TD Garden. Fans should be asking for their money back on those tickets. Um, and then you beat the Senators 2-0. I, I would say they dominated the majority of that game. Probably could have had a goal or two extra, uh, yeah. but still won. So a team win. without, yeah, professional win. You know, you got what you got. Uh, Charlie Coyle was like the best player, uh, among, you know, McAvoy as well in that game. Um, but again, it kind of hits at this bigger thing that life without those two going forward is not great. And, you know, we mentioned this, I think it was on Poke the Bear, but a guy like Bergeron, who is mulling his future, even if he's able to come back, you wonder how at near at or near 100% he is uh, in coming back. I mean, this could potentially hurt his future here, too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very dour when those two guys both aren't in there. And again, you can try to draw the silver linings out of some of these recent lineup shovels have looked good, like Coyle with Frederick and Smith has had some potential. The first, the new de facto first line, which is more or less just the Eric Howell line, hasn't really clicked yet, which is a little bit concerning because you thought out of all the lines that have kind of been jumbled with both Berger and a Marchand out, that was the one that was most assured to at least probably still produce offensively. Um, haven't really gotten that yet, which is a little bit concerning. But again, just the in terms of the on ice production, the leadership, the stability of those guys bring, just having them in the lineup every day. I mean, you see it now in terms of how impactful they are so if you're i mean again if you're the bruins uh concerning to say the least it should once again fuel the fact that you desperately need to upgrade that forward core i think both not just this year but again a guy in the the coming years so whether that's hurdle or any of these players um it's it's evident just how much they desperately need like another even if bergeron's back next year you need like another one-two punch down the middle which Maybe it's David Krejci. Maybe David Krejci comes back. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe you acquire a guy that you have for long term. Whatever it is, you can't go into next year, especially with even if Bergeron's back, still have kind of that uncertainty of like a Howla coil, one of those things. You still desperately miss some of that star power there. Um, so for now, they're able to at least tread water. You know, we'll see how they do in New York. New York, even though they're at the top of the league or, or one of the top teams in the Metro, a lot of it's based off of goaltending and Sturkin's been wild and you're going to be without your two better offensive players. So we'll see what exactly happens in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, for years now, Bergeron and Martian have more or less been a cheat code for them, right? In terms of you're down a goal, all it takes is one chip to switch the momentum, how good they are 
at, at you know the two way game, what have you. So I think you're seeing it now. Are they doomed? Are they doomed to sell? I don't think so. But it's still, it's going to be tough sledding for how long both those guys are still out for. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's just it's a completely different team, um, and it's been rare that the Bruins have not had those two not on the ice together. It's been a long time. I can't even remember the last time that they were out for an extended stretch of time. Um, and you're seeing again, like, you know, Bergeron retires. You're so limited down the middle. Um, and, you know, again, Marshan's not retiring anytime soon. He's not pulling like an Aaron Donald, which the Aaron Donald stuff was interesting. I had not heard about the retirement stuff yeah. before the game. And then Rodney Harrison just kind of drops it in the pregame. And I then, know. you know, yeah, no big deal. And then it was talked about, before, you know, a little before the game by like Michelle Tafoy on the sideline. And it's like, was this like, did people talk about this before? Like, did it just like spawn? Yeah. And now he's like potentially retiring. So none of that with Martian that we know of. Uh, so he'll be around for quite a bit. But again, it kind of hits at this, like, you need both. And, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, let's say Bergeron does retire after the season. What do you have with Martian? Like, Martian's a great play driver, same with Pasternak, but you need that legit number one center. And you don't have it. You do not have it outside of Bergeron. So... Um, it comes down to again that that's why this deadline could be one of the most important that the Bruins have had in years, which we say every year, but I really mean it this year. Yes. <laughs> this, this could have a lot, well, lot fast of long forward term to, to twenty twenty three. It would be the same thing, but honestly, considering what the window is, yeah, every year going forward is probably going to be more important in terms of charting out the future because we've said it before. I don't think this team is going to sell, or are they going to completely blow things up? And again, I think you look at the the state of this team. Can you really? blow things up completely anyway. Like there's people who talk about they should just trade everyone and all of a sudden get into the sweepstakes for the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Like, no, like I think the floor of this team is also too high that even if you like Bergeron retires and you try to sell off tradable assets like DeBrus, Craig Smith, you know, all these other guys, you're still not at that tier where you're hovering with Montreal and (laughs) Arizona where you're going to have a viable chance. Maybe you get – the number nine overall pick two, three years in a row, but that's not guaranteed success, right? Like if you still have McAvoy and pasta and Swayman and these other guys, you've got a pretty good, like at least skeleton of a team that you can build for going forward. So it's all about finding that next kind of piece for Bergeron that doesn't extend this contention window, but at least bridges that gap between what I think you're looking for between these kind of different groups within this Bruins roster. Think of it like this. If, if you give Montreal or Arizona or any of those teams the chance to build around a core like Pasternak, McAvoy, Swayman, even the coil going forward, they would choose that over what they're currently going through. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think people kind of have to understand that. Um, uh, but pretty safe bet the Bruins are not going to be, um, not going to be selling at this deadline. But when we're talking really, Good bets. We're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage, and it's the best in the biz. From sports, right down your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one sports or one number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game 
stats. Now, I mentioned earlier I would mention how I did on my Super Bowl bets because this is really the only time it, it's a, it's a big time of year to bet uh, for people. And last year I went six and zero oh on my Super Bowl bets, which was bananas. Uh, this year I went four four and two, so I got four right, four wrong, two pushed. So it was actually like pretty good. I made money. Um, Not too bad. And I, it was pretty good. I actually got a, a plus eight hundred odds one. I um I picked the Rams would be up by between one and three points at the end of the first half and made some serious earnings. So I again, it's fun to bet on the Super Bowl and big sports sporting events like that. So uh, make sure you go support our friends over there with again promo code CLNS fifty. Um, speaking of top six centers. Speaking of top six centers, Jack Stadnika, uh, is in the lineup again, but he's not really getting top six minutes. Not really getting top six minutes. And this feels like a time when maybe you could see what you got in a guy like him. Um, is it telling that this, that, that he's not getting those top six minutes? You think Don Sweeney's kind of like, come on, Bruce, like, let's get him propped up here for the deadline. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely not ideal. I think when you look at Bruce Cassidy and the Bruins thinking, I could also see the situation where they're looking at, especially that Coyle, Frederick, Smith line, and they view that as a potential third line going forward once everyone's back healthy, and they want to see how they do with more offensive zone time. So that's why they're kind of the de facto 2C. So at the very least, it's good that Sadiq is not just in like a checking line role, even though he's with, you know, at least he has like DeBrusque on that line. I don't know how DeBrusque, Danica, Felino kind of mesh as a line. So at least like, He's the three C and not like a four C where he's getting eight minutes a night, what have you. Um, but you look at kind of the Bruins where they've mapped out that top six right now without Bergeron, where I don't think they're going to touch the Eric Hollow line, even though they haven't really produced over the last couple of games. But if you want to see what you got with that Coil Frederick Smith line and build that going forward, I, I could see the rationale there. And again, they were great on Saturday. I mean, they kind of set the tone with that first shift where they, could have beat Matt Murray like two, three times before Frederick finally scored on that second chance puck. So, um, again, not ideal in terms of you. Of course, you'd like to see Sadiq up here in a top six role and he has three points in two games and you're, the stock's going back <laughs> up. And I mean, you've seen it with how many other young players that have come up from Providence between Zaboral and Vakanine and all these guys that have kind of raised their, their value, uh, across the league over the last couple of months, but haven't seen it yet from Stanika. Um, he had a few, you know, he was one of the few maybe bright points in that game against the Hurricanes. We prevented that goal, I think, on the PK. So he's not like taking himself out of the game, but I also haven't really noticed him. So is that a byproduct of the line he's on? Is it just the minutes he's getting, the role that they've kind of mapped out for him? He's, I mean, he's kind of in that kind of limbo you're in right now, right? Where you don't really know what exactly is the best fit for him, where he maps out as an NHLer. Yeah, is he like an offensive first guy? Is he like a Ryan Spooner or are they trying to mold him into more of a, a two way kind of guy where it maybe doesn't fit his skill set? So it's tough to really map out where exactly he fits into this team, both now and going forward. But if you look at just the way they've mapped out that top six, I could see why they want to give that coil line more reps going forward. Cause one, it's intriguing. And two, if it gets coil engaged, if it gets Frederick engaged, which he was in that game and it, gives you a legit third line. We saw how important that is going forward for the, you know, the 2019 Bruins, how well that third line anchored them there. So if you're trying to find any kind of silver linings out of without Bergeron in the lineup, and it gives you this third line combination, that's really gelling. They'll take it. You think this third line, the way it's, if, if, if they can really find something with Frederick Coyle and uh, Smith and, and all indications point to, they probably 
do have something there. You think that kind of says, hey, maybe we don't need to go out and get a second line center at the deadline. Maybe instead we just need a, a, a right winger. So a guy like a Connor Garland, you know, might cost a little less than what a center would, 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 um, would cost. And then your top, you know, your, your first three lines are Martian Bergeron, said winger or Oscar Steen, as you predicted. Mm-hmm. And then you have your second line of, uh, Hall, Halla and Pasternak. Then you get your third line of Frederick Coyle and Smith. If they can find a right wing for that top line, does that change kind of their deadline? Uh, strategy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good pivot if that's what they're, I still think they obviously want to acquire a, a center, but again, I think a lot of that's going to dictate, what's going to dictate that is one, what the price is and who's even available, because I think you've seen over the last few weeks now, the narrative shift with JT Miller, especially where it's like, I don't think they're going to move him, like, or you see a lot of the chatter of, Oh, you know, they don't really have to move him now. He's still, you know, got one more year left on his deal. So they'll see what they have. So I don't know if Miller's getting dealt. Uh, the hurdle situation is interesting because their acting GM over a few days ago is pretty much saying, Oh, we want him here long term. He wants to be here long term. And then like a day later, hurdle talk and was like, Yeah, you know, I'm keeping my options open. Like not really going <laughs> along with that of like, I'm going to get paid this, this summer. So I mean, who knows if. Those guys are off the board and it comes down to whether or not you want to get into a, a bidding war with the avalanche for Giroux, for a guy that's not part of your long-term plans. Maybe then you pivot and then get a Golland, as you said, and you roll with that as your, you know, a more balanced forward core for this year. And then who knows? Maybe next year, Bergeron, you know, Bergeron's still on board. Then you do go into a, you try to get a bidding war for a hurdle in the off season, what have you. Like, there's other ways they can kind of build off of it. So it's definitely a, a good way to pivot if the Bruins don't really have a legit guy uh, down the middle that they can acquire the deadline. I think that's what you, I don't think like Garland is the number one target, but if you got to switch gears and the guys you want aren't there, there's at least other ways you can improve this roster by targeting other areas of that forward core. It's kind of sounds like a worst case scenario in a sense. It's not, uh, it's not near the top of things they want to do. I think it's just yeah. going to be kind of like, Oh, if, if these first couple plans don't work, we'll go for a, a, a right, a, a top six right winger like a Connor Garland. Yeah. Um, worst case scenario is they get like Lee Stepniak or something like yes. that. Like Connor Garland's still a good player, but it's not. Yes. <laughs> doesn't, it's not that they pull Lee Stepniak out. <laughs> yeah. They rebring the graphic, Pet, the Petro Petro Maguire. Maguire yeah. Petro <laughs> Maguire will be happy. He'll be the only person happy about Lee Stepniak yeah. coming back. And Brian Gianta. Yeah. Yes, just bring back the, the old days, you know, just get everybody going. Um, Speaking of trade pieces, uh, we'll, we'll kind of hit on this quickly. Jake DeBrusque, still with the Bruins, has not spoken to the media since obviously his uh, trade request back in late November, which now obviously like he's been in there forever. They've needed him with these injuries yeah. and suspensions, so it's not like he's just kind of taken up space. He is playing. Uh, but I found something interesting. Uh, Fluto Shinzawa, the athletic, uh, ranked his 15 pieces that could be, uh, that could move for the deadline for the Bruins. And DeBrusque was 14 out of 15. And I feel like that's dropped. I, granted, I, I don't think Fluto um, made a list of 15 back like in November when DeRusk right. might have been higher. Uh, but DeRusk is 14 and he's behind Trevor Kuntar and Jacob Lauko and Oscar Steen and Johnny Beecher and these, some of these other guys. And it feels like DeRusk might be a little higher than that. It, just because he's, he's in the NHL, he, he's shown that potential before. Uh, he, they know he wants out. I, I just, I, I'm kind of surprised to see him down that low. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that the Brooms don't have really any leverage and they don't want to bite on a deal. They are getting pennies on the dollar for a guy that, as I think we've said before, 
I would not be surprised if Russ goes somewhere else and scores 20 goals or scores like <laughs> 10 goals in the final third, like 25 games of the season. Would not surprise. I think pulls like a Manny Ramirez when he went to LA, like that yeah, like half four eighty. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Manny would. Um, <laughs> so again, I think maybe some of that's also the leverage of what the price is. Again, you're seeing guys like to fully go for first prospect and multiple picks. Like, you have to wonder, like, what the actual market is for DeBrusque and whether they're just waiting it out for more teams to get desperate. I still think he gets dealt at some point in the deadline. You, one, you hope that eventually the roster kind of settles out because it seems like every time, like, DeBrusque gets into a bit of a groove here or you could see the momentum of maybe he gets dealt, an injury pops up where they desperately need him in the lineup, what have you. So hopefully that kind of stabilizes a little bit. But I have to imagine he gets moved. It's just, I think, what the Bruins are willing to, you know, bite the bullet on in terms of return. Cause if it's a fourth round, a third and fourth round pick, of course they're not going to do that. They want a one for one swap or a first or a second or something like that. Right. For a guy that I think everyone's well aware is probably going to do pretty well going forward in his career. So I think it's more or less a waiting game than anything. Yeah. Waiting, waiting, waiting for Jake Russ to get traded. We'll be hundred years old by the time that yes. happens. Um, anyways, Connor, uh, thank you for obviously joining. Before you go, uh, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we'll uh, continue to evaluate other trade scenarios for the Bruins. Again, it seems like every couple of days is a new name <laughs> tossed out there that's shocking the Bruins are uh, are linked to. Um, I will be in New York City for the games on uh, at Madison Square Garden and UBS Arena, checking out uh, their new uh, new digs over there in Belmont Park. So. I'll be down there for that. Um, working where? on a couple of features. Belmont where? Park. Park. Evan. Uh, <laughs> Park. So I'll be down there for that. Um, so I have all that stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Brunsby listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>